rdtdaily.com presents a Tara Buster with comedian Tara Devlin. Yo, how's it going out there? Can you hear me? Because I got a new audio interface and I just spent the last three hours battling with it. So I hope, and I didn't even get a chance to test the phones yet. Everything was a shit show. I am a little technical, but this is all kind of new, this whole mix minus shit. The thing is, too, that it's really annoying because I can hear it and it sounds, everything sounds fine in my headphones, but then when I play it back, it's echoing or reverberating or whatever, not playing. But I only see that after I record. So it's, it's just a, it's a tedious process, right? These are, talk about a first world problem, right? Well, it's really kind of a necessary problem, too, because we're up against it, the wall. We're up against the end of this country, I'm, or the democracy that we all pretend to give uh, homage to. Thank you, Jim. All right, right off the bat. I, I, love seeing, I love seeing you all fill up the chat room. I'm sitting here, and the show's about to start, and I see all of you guys start entering the chat room. That's great. And then Jim, of course, with the super chat, he always, he, he uh, you know, I don't know. What's the word? I was going to say pops the cherry, but that, that, sounded, uh, that sounded gross, really. He is first out of the gate with the super chat, as always. Why does my mind have to go there? So, first, right? Ah, what am I talking about? Also, before I begin, well, we know the drill. But those who are new to the show, maybe you don't know the drill. That we meet here every Saturday evening from 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern at the RDT Daily Facebook and YouTube channels. And that we're rebroadcast starting Sunday at 6 p.m. Eastern on Progressive Voices. Thank you, Mark C. Another super chat. I'm looking at the at the chat here. And the chat I'm referring to is the chat on YouTube. So get off of Facebook, even though we are we're, we are streamed on Facebook as well. So, but you know, Facebook is on my nerves. And we it's uh, it's just better. It's better on YouTube. I could see your chats. There's super chats there. So if you're not a patron and you want to help keep the show going, you can just throw in a you know a super chat now and then whatever that's how we get that's how it goes i was a little frustrated this week because i did want to do a, a a debate watch party but i couldn't because i was off trying to keep a roof over my head meaning trying to make some uh, money cuz the fact is this shit costs money that's the way it is to keep this going and to keep, you know, the whole, the amazing studio you see here at Tara Buster General, it's, uh, that's how it has to be. Yeah, I have to work. Not that this isn't work. This is work. If I had, a, if I had sanity, if the, I would just tune out. But actually, don't, don't listen to that. Do not listen to that. Because I always criticize people for tuning out, but it's not sane to tune out because this is what they, they want to do to us. They want us to tune out. They want to bombard us with one uh, frenzied chaos. 
uh, another disgraceful moment that only in, inhuman sociopaths would applaud and enjoy? Or I guess if you're Susan Collins, you would be concerned about. But they want us to tune out. It's all part of the plan. Keep you overworked and 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 distracted. Also working your three uniquely American low-paying jobs that don't pay you enough to retire or have any job security. Uh, and and uh, they want you to uh, not always be hanging by a thread, not have the security to stand up to your betters. You know what I mean? To say, uh-uh. No, we're going to join a union. We're going to form a union here. We're in this together. Thank you, Anthony. I appreciate your super chat. I see your little message. Thank you. No, thank you, Anthony. We're in this together. I'll do my part. This is part of how we're going to take it back. I, I truly believe that, and I know that you guys believe that too. We need the media. We don't have the media. But there is The media is completely controlled by six giant transnational corporations. That's not, um, you know, that didn't happen overnight, but it's by design. What do you think we all warned in 1996 when I was just a, a wee little uh, democratic socialist who trying to make the world safe for democracy I was studying communications in college. I was an undergrad, and uh, I was, it was basically, I think I was a freshman when that happened. And we all discussed how, wh- how harmful this was going to be, how it, wa- it would end with the consolidation of the media. And here comes Tara Jr. Jr. Come on, boop. Come on, little one. Say hello to the friends and the fans. <laughs> You're a good boy. Uh oh, he's grumpy. So I understand that too. I'm grumpy. It's not good. You can't have a functioning democracy without having a a, a free press. That's what the founders knew. They weren't idiots. They were students of the liberal age of enlightenment, enlightenment who had lived under autocracies for thousands of years. They understood that you know. Um, uh, that the free press was vital to democracy. Even even Thomas Jefferson wrote about it. That if he if he could live, if he had to choose between a government and a free and a press, he would choose the press over the government because the press would keep the people informed and would I don't know what you know what I'm saying. I'm not. I'm just I'm just riffing. I'm just speaking off the top of my head. I don't have the exact quote, but you know. That's what he was, that's what he said, basically. That's the reason why they, all right, come on, Tara Jr., God. That's the reason why they enshrined the only, they didn't enshrine, um, the, well, they did enshrine the military, unfortunately. Actually, we have a standing military by one vote. That was the debate in the, um, Continental Congress, whatever. Should we have a standing military? Because that was another means of oppressing the people and usurping a democracy would be through, uh, through the military, as we have seen throughout history. That's another thing. The founders were students of history. Not that, you know, not that they were so great. Obviously, they were hypocrites and racists and misogynists. But, hey, nobody's perfect. 
well, we're still living in that kind of shit. Like, for instance, I, actually, I just, I wasn't even going to talk about this. Just, the, just an aside, I was looking at the Citizens app. You guys, I think I mentioned that before. It's this app where some right winger must have def- invented it. So it's, um, it's called Citizen, and you just put in your zip code, wherever. It picks you up by the GPS, and it, just, it tells you what's going on. It gets, it gets the, um, you know, 911 calls. So you see, oh, there's a robbery over here. There's a fire over there. Somebody got robbed. Somebody's riding the train onto, oh, the, that was the other day. Somebody was on the, the top of the train, some teenager, you know, riding around on the roof of the train. And so the other day it said, delivery person robbed in Astoria, Queens. That's where I live. I mean, well, I live in Sunnyside, Queens, but it's near me. And some... Some effing Trump and Z wrote in the comments because people comment, and I noticed that there's a lot of right wingers on this app, which doesn't surprise me because it's all about crime. So they're because they're fear based, so they're there. Look, like, oh, look, so much crime around me. So anything that happens, they think everything's out of control. Do you know what I mean? It really, they shouldn't be on this app, they should be blocked. You should really have to take a, a, a psychological evaluation before you're able to download it. Otherwise, I could see people getting really triggered by it, thinking the whole world is coming to an end. Maybe it's, it's a caravan has come to town. You know what I mean? And Anyway, so somebody wrote, because it's a delivery person robbed in Astoria, and some... Some asshole. On the, I, I look at the comments. One of the comments was, it all it said was, delivery man. Okay? Do you get it? Do you get what I'm saying here? They don't have to say much else. Delivery man. See, they're triggered because the app phrased it, or whoever, 911 phrased it. Whoever, I don't know how they fill up the feed. I think it's connected to somehow to not the, the emergency services. But so some little fragile white man, and you know it was a white man, old guy. It was definitely old, an old person. They couldn't, they, they didn't like, it was, it, it's how it was phrased. Delivery man. Oh, damn it. No, not a person. It's those feminazis again. This is what they've done to this country. You can't even be robbed and be identified as a man. How do they know it was a man anyway? But that's all they said. Delivery man. Oh, I'm sorry. We should all, we all need to roll back progress for your little white ass, for your old cracker white ass, that we don't know. No, you don't want to include everybody in this in the sphere of um, respect, because that's really what it's about. Because when you're talking about just being respectful to human beings, calling somebody a person, not saying delivery man, because not only men, men are not the only people who 
are delivering things nowadays here in the new millennium. But I know that's really, uh, that's really upsetting to these old white crackers. They, they remember the time when they, the, the men could be men. Not that they were ever men, though. Not that these fuckers were ever men. They were not men at all. In fact, they needed their privilege to make up for just how inadequate they truly were. Because real men don't give a shit. They're not sitting around going, what do you mean, delivery person? It's a, it's a man. They're, it's so, they are so tiny. They are so fragile and co- so completely unfit to function in, in a free democratic society. That's why we're at the point where we're at in fascism, in an oligarchy. Yes, we are an oligarchy. And I wanted to talk about that tonight because the other day I didn't, um, I didn't, this went on, this was like five days ago. So that's why it sucks also being, uh, having to do this periodically. You know, we do the Saturday show. Eventually, we'll get a, a daily show. The more that people become a patron, the more that we build our audience. And I'm, I'm also counting on you guys to tell you the truth. For y- you guys, you're the ones who are, who, you're the early uh, OG Tower Busters. And I know that I see you guys here all the time. I know that you're fans and you want the show to grow. So I, I am counting on you. And I know that you do your part, so... And I also, actually, before I go into the oligarchy, I want... I got a, I got a nice little letter from our own haiku. And, he's, and thank you for your donation. That was extremely generous of you. And we'll... And just in time for me to buy the new... What do you call it? Um audio interface. So thank you so much. But I also enjoyed the pictures. I I do enjoy that you guys have been sending me pictures of your cats and other animals that you, because you know I love animals, your pets. So we have four cats here. Mango. This is Mango and the right, uh, here we, here she is, or he. T-Bone, Pinky, <laughs> so cute, and Magellan. They look pretty good. Are these feral cats? Or are they, are they community cats? I thought, yeah, because I know that Haiku works with community cats, as I do, and we take care of our community cats, and uh, it's, you know, it's hard work, too, because it's always heartbreaking, no matter what. You love them, but you are always, it's always a sad story because they're living out in the street. And you're also, yeah, that's a haiku, yes, community and ferals. And thank you for, for doing that. And it just goes to show you, there are, when peop, there are people like haiku in the world. That's what I think of when I get, when I get really down. That's also in the world. Goodness is in the, in the world. 
humanity, real humans are in the world, compassion, caring about other creatures who we share the planet with, vulnerable creatures. And that's more than we could say if, if, to, for the entire Republican Party. Not a one of them. Oh, they're giving Mitt Romney a lot of accolades. I guess he's a profile in courage now. I guess he is. I don't know. I know that he's also a Republican lickspittle. Why is he voting against... He, he only voted um, against, or for, let's say, one article of impeachment. He voted against obstruction of justice, but then he said in his explanation that he was hoping that um, Bolton would have been able to clear things up and unfortunately the White House wouldn't let him speak or whatever the hell, but basically solidifying his hypocrisy right there because, yeah, you didn't get to hear witnesses because Trump, Twitler, excuse me, was obstructing justice. So, I'm really, when I get really down, yeah, I think of, there, is, there are good people in the world, but anyway. Is Mitt Romney, Romney one of them? Oh, he, he believes in God. That's what makes his whole world spin. I don't know. Didn't, God didn't stop him from tying a dog to the roof of his car, but oh well. I guess we take what we can. Every, nobody's perfect, like I said. And... God didn't stop him from voting against Twitler, and God isn't stopping him from supporting Twitler 99% of the time. The destruction of democracy, solidifying power, concentrating it up, concentrating it into the hands of the few, while we the sheeple go further and further down on the rungs on this slippery, it's not even a ladder, it's a goddamn slippery slope. And we're all sliding into it. And so this week, of course, we had the Democratic debacle in Iowa, and all over the corporate media, they're like, oh, poor Pete Buttigieg. He didn't get his bump from being what? He, he lost. Okay, oh, now, oh, he won in delegates. So it's, a, it's, a, it's a tie, even though Bernie received more votes. How, how, what the hell is going on? In my world, in the Democratic world, the person who receives the most votes wins. What is this shit? So in a, how many people, uh, race, six-person race, was it? He, or maybe, not, it might have been more. I don't know. I'm losing count. And thing, people are jumping in, jumping back out, or not qualifying here, not quali oh, qualifying there. What? And who cares? All over the, the corporate media today, Deval Patrick. Does anybody care about Deval Patrick? I think it's worse than... Amy Klobuchar. I I hear that some people like Amy Klobuchar. I guess I don't know. I've never met an Amy Klobuchar fan. But Deval Patrick. Anyway, whatever. And so in that race, Bernie receives 
over 6,000 more votes, that's, that's pretty marginal. That's, pretty, um, that's a pretty decisive victory in this shit show. So what does the DLC, D, DNC do? Where now Tom Perez says, oh, we must do a surgical re-canvas. What? Because Bernie, they, they don't want Bernie to win. Here's the problem. All over the corporate media, I keep hearing, and like today, this is a problem. Velshi, Ali Velshi say, what is this that the people have to choose? Ultimately, we all want to defeat Trump. That's the priority, defeating Trump. Yes, so ultimately, people will have to choose between a moderate who can win and their ideological purity. Are you fucking kidding me? That's the choice he's presenting? I don't see that as a choice. A moderate who can win and and ideological purity. So they're talking, they're saying that, oh, we're being pure. Bernie supporters are pure. We're just too pure, you see, in this oligarchy. We, we actually want a government of by and for the people. It's just, you can't have that purity. And what is this shit about a moderate can win? I feel like I'm having deja vu. That's the same arguments we had in 2016. For Christ's sake, oh, you need someone who could win, a moderate, who can bring over the, the moderate independent. What moderate? Where is this moderate? Uh, this mythical moderate I hear about. A lot of them are just low-information voters, or they have their own ideological purity test. But when you get down to it, and you say, hey, um... Do you believe that everybody should have health care, that finance, uh, whether you're rich or poor, that you should, that there's something, that there's something wrong with not being able, well, I mean, so many, so many things are in my mind. There's something wrong with the fact that the American people are begging on GoFundMe for health care. Do you, do you think that's cool? Or do you think um, that even you ask conservatives or people who think they're conservatives, they say, of course, everyone should get health care. Even that even St. Reagan mandated that you couldn't be denied health care in an emergency room. That's why this shit sucks. That's why we have the shittiest health care, the measurably worst health care in 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 all our, uh, you know, Western partners. So, wait, hold on. I have to take a drink. This is my coffee cup resist available at the RDT Daily Facebook. I mean, um, merchandising store, whatever. Who cares? With Francis Jr. Jr.'s face on it. That's him. But, yeah. Um, give me a break with this shit. So, I don't understand this moderate shit. Um, between a moderate who can win, this is what, this is how, how they're actually framing it, uh, between a moderate who can win and your ideological purity. What are you talking about? In fact, what will win is somebody who knows how to fight, somebody who is outside the system. 
because the fact is we're in a moment and we're we're still in a moment of change. People are sick of the corporate lick spittles. They're sick of living in the United States of serfs and lords. That's the bottom line. Whether you're on the left or the right, that's why people abandoned the Democratic Party. The working class abandoned the Democratic Party, which is hard to believe for this right-wing faux populism, the lies. They'd rather hear a bunch of lies, like everybody's going to get health care. It's going to be great, better, bigger, faster. Or, uh, and everyone, jo- jobs are all coming back while they're doing everything they can to funnel more money into the top and weaken unions and weaken and and oh, not just weaken, but oh, oh, outright destroy the ACA. Look at Francis rubbing his ass on the floor. Come here. <laughs> That's not cool. I mean, I hope he's okay. He's um, got, you guys know, he has problems with his, he doesn't have a penis. That's the bottom line. He had it removed. When he was a kitten, 15 weeks, he couldn't pee. That's a long story. And he he was wearing the cone for a long time, for many years, in fact, re- until recently when he's, he's basically, he's on Prozac and he stopped licking. So when he does that, I worry because I wonder if he's got a UTI, bottom line. We'll figure it out. Hopefully, he's, whatever. He doesn't give a shit. Yes, he's a, he's a survivor. Yeah. And he's also, he's, he's just a great cat. He really is. He's very, fr- he's so friendly and everything that he's been through. I appreciate him. He's also got a real sense of self <laughs> that I like. Not just his testicles. No, the whole thing, Diane. Everything. He had to have it completely removed because his... He was part of an abandoned litter. This is what they told me. So if this happens, they said, when um, when litters are abandoned. So he basically, his siblings ma- mauled him. They mutilated him. So he couldn't pee. And that was a life and death situation. And I can't imagine what the, what pain he felt. How he began his life, it must have been horrific. And he was really hard to, to, you couldn't touch him in the beginning. He was so traumatized. He was so angry. And I think it wasn't angry. It was fear. So he's come a long way. And that's why I always say, I, I tell that story because that... And, you know, like we were just talking about with haiku, that's in the world. That's also in the world, that kind of compassion. Because when I think about here is this tiny little kitten and they sent him. So I, I adopted him. I'll tell the story. They, I, I haven't said, told it in a while, but maybe new people haven't heard it. I adopted him from the North Shore Animal League and with this issue. And they sent him to, um, uh, what is it, the Animal Medical Center to get, to have an operation, to, 
if uh, they co- they weren't able to fix him, you know, to fix his uh, penis, so they had to they had to castrate him. But because he was so little, they it was um, it was touch and go whether he was going to survive the operation, and he was only 15 weeks. So they called in the big kahuna of the hospital, the Animal Medical Center, 40 years of uh, experience as a surgeon, and all the students came to watch that uh, the operation as a teaching uh, lesson. And um, I just think about when I get down on the world, I think about all of that experience, all of that education, all of that dedication that came together in that room to save the life of a kitten. It chokes me up thinking about it because that's, that's human compassion right there. What would it have mattered if they put him to sleep? That would have been the end of it. No, nobody could have, would have went out of their way. That would have went, went on with their day. And the world keeps spinning. But it mattered to him. And it, it shows who we are, really, ultimately. Who, who we are when we are at our best. Because that's also in the world. That kind of compassion. So, and that's why I know that we will win. Because that kind of um, compassion is uh, I think there's more of us with, with that kind of c- compassion and humanity. And I believe that, you know, we're, we as humans should r- get to, when we get together, we should bring out the better in each other. And we should have, uh, you know, if only the world ran like that. Actually, because uh, another story quickly before there's, um, let me see. Okay. The other, I, I saved a couple of pigeons throughout my life, whatever. There's a, there's a thing in New York. It's called the Wild Bird Fund. I love the Wild Bird Fund. It's amazing. And it's, it's a private-public partnership. So if you find an injured pigeon or any other wild bird or animal in New York, you could bring it to the Wild Bird Fund, and they'll, they'll rehab it, fix it, if it has a broken wing or whatever. Try to do, it's, do their best to save the, the pigeon or any other bird. I've saved a few birds once you find one bird, you, you end up, you do find a lot more, honestly. You just, your eyes are open, you see them more. And anyway, so I brought a bird there. And so friends of mine were kind of teasing me about it because they're like, oh, I wouldn't bring a bird. Or Some people would, of course, but they were just teasing me because I would go, I would, go, it was during a snowstorm. I saved this bird, it was on a ledge. And it was alone. It would have died. It was a fledgling. And I took it to the Wild Bird Fund. It lived, thankfully. And other birds I have taken there haven't made it, unfortunately. But at least they spent their last days and hours in, uh, in an environment where they were being loved, right? They had a nice, nice meal. 
nice uh, human interaction instead of being on the street or whatever. All right. Anyway, and then a friend of mine said they were teasing me about the bird and a, a, uh, because an ambulance was going by and they're like, oh, another bird's in trouble. And I said, gee, I wish. Wouldn't it be great if we lived in a world like that? Do you know what I mean? Where <laughs> um, ambulances were flying around trying to save the lives of birds. That would, anyway, it would just say a lot about us. But we're not there yet. We got a long way to go. Maybe one day. Do I fly birds, Tara? What does that mean? Do you fly birds, Tara? What does that mean, Sin City? I love birds. I love all birds. I love birds. I love animals. Do I fly birds? What does that mean? I had parakeets when I was little. I would have a bird. I would have a I would have like a giant rescue organization of all animals if I could. And then we can do the Tara Buster. Oh, pigeon flying. No, no. I I like pigeons. I, I really appreciate them. Look at him. He's running around there. But I always liked all animals. I know there were some people in New York. They were like, oh, rats are, I mean, pigeons are rats with wings. They're not. They're amazing. They're better than some humans, you know. First of all, they keep everything they're they're only they say oh they're dirty they're they're dirty because we're dirty they're living in our shit they're not dirty they have to stay clean in order to fly but if they're dirty it's because they're walking around in the shit we leave behind and they they eat a lot of shitty bugs we don't want bugging us and they're also monogamous pigeons and uh they males and females raise their chicks together so they're better than some fucking people. You know what I'm saying? And they they stick together. They definitely stick together to win. And when you see a flock of pigeons, that's that's a family. They know each other. That's why when you bring a pigeon or a bird to the wild bird front, they write down, you have to you have to say where did you, where did you find it? Where because they have to release it back where where it lives. So, all right, guys. Yeah, anyway, I didn't mean to... God damn, time flies. I, was, I didn't mean to talk all about that. But, hey, check out the Wild Bird Fund, and, you know, there you go. It's great. I love it. Yes, pigeons have pooped on me, too. It sucks, but, hey, what are you going to do? Um, yeah, so, all right, let me get back. Beep, 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 beep. Back into the game... So, I don't know if you guys saw what were we talking about. Yes, oligarchy. Because I wanted to address this as well, because even though it's been a couple of days since this happened, what happened was Nina Turner was on MSNBC, and this fucking guy, Jason Johnson, have you ever heard of this guy? His he On Twitter, it's... At Jason, at Dr. Jason Johnson, they, they call him, he, he's earned this moniker, Dr. Professionally Wrong. But this is why I ask you and say, and this is why we, we, you guys know, I'm saying it to the other people who are just joining us or coming along the show or whatever, support the liberal media 
This is the liberal media. Mike Malloy, Bob Kincaid, progressive voices. You're looking at the liberal media. The liberal media on MSNBC, that's not the liberal media. There are a few liberal pundits for sure. Chris Hayes, I think, is great. Of course, they, they have Sam Cedar on there as a, as a commentator, and that's good because Sam Cedar is a true progressive. So when he's on there, I would love to see him up there with Jason Johnson, frankly. But Jason Johnson, the other thing is that's funny is that you know I'm doing it correctly because Jason Johnson actually blocked me on Twitter, and I, I kind of consider that a badge of honor. Because if he's blocking me, that means I'm doing it correctly. And the only thing I did was I didn't do anything abusive. Of course, he probably would disagree because, you know, Bernie bros and all that um, he said something. He made a joke. Somebody tweeted at him saying, what are you, what, what you going to do for work when Bernie gets elected and you can no longer defend the uh, indefensible or something like that, you know? And they and he wrote back, oh, I won't have to work because within 15 minutes, they'll be free everything for everyone. Right. The snarky uh, dismissive. Of course, nobody believes that we know it's work. And I and that's what I wrote back. And I attached a little image of the saying, first, they laugh at you, then they fight you, then they whatever it is. And then you win. And. Uh, I said, yeah, no, I know it'll take longer than 15 minutes. I said, oh, you know what I said? That's what I said. I said, sick burn. You must wow them with that one in the wine cave. (laughs) So whatever. And he blocked me. And uh, I don't give a shit. But it just goes to show you he's very triggered. He also ended up, I was listening to the majority report this week, and they were talking about Jason Johnson because of this incident. And... Um, Michael Brooks said uh, that he had been blocked as well, and I thought, and I actually am friends with him on Twitter, so we had a laugh about it, or I mean on Facebook. And that's a sign that we're doing it correctly. So Jason Johnson, first of all, you don't block people. That's the other thing. I don't block people on Twitter unless you're really an abusive asshole or a Russian bot troll, which exists, and you just mute them. That's it then you don't look like a dick. So conservatives are always, are you know, that's why you're, you're proving them right if you block them like they're bothering you. You just mute them. That's it. And then problem solved. But Jason Johnson has to block people because I don't understand what his, what his deal is. What's this guy's deal, okay? He is so breathless about defending the oligarchy. It's really beyond belief. And that's why I'm like, why? Why? What is in it for him? And this is when I get really um, despondent about the world because they have the power. They have the large platform to spread their lies and they lie all the time, and and all it's just always just, you know, um, it's kind of mixed into some truth. Like for instance, Jason Johnson recently said on one of his many many appearances on MSNBC that 
Elizabeth Warren has more donors than Bernie, but not as much money is being donated as Bernie. That's a complete lie. That's not fucking true, but it's out there now. You know what I mean? What is the difference between that shit and what goes on on Fox News? What gets reported as truth on Fox News? Nothing but lies. Mixed, there's a little bit of truth, though, in a lot of it, where you could skew it and, and really confuse people and do a lot of damage. That's why we are in the boat we're in. The United States is an oligarchy. This is not a, dis- a debate. Let me play, first of all, uh, for those, I know I'm all over the place, so I was talking about birds, I'm talking about cats, the cat's wiping his ass on the rug behind me, you know what I mean? A lot of shit's going on, and um, I, for those who don't know what I'm referring to, the other day, Nina Turner was on MSNBC as uh, she's a Bernie surrogate, she's out there talking about Bernie, and she re- referred to Bloomberg as an oligarch, and which, which he is, which he is. And the corporate media, the liberal media on MSNBC had a meltdown. So, actually, let me just play the friggin' video. Instead of telling you about it, I have it. And now you could tell me, I hope, I hope. There's no, it's not echoey. If it's echoey, please tell me. Then, because it's all about this fucking new interface. So let me see. Let me see. Here we go. Would the rule be? I mean, under the Constitution, to get, him, get him on the stage. I mean, I'm, I mean. Oh, that, that's right. But yeah, I want to ask absolutely. you about. I want to ask you about this money thing because under Buckley DeLeo, the constitutional ruling, a guy or woman who has all the money in the world and can spend all that money, and I, I bet that Mike Bloomer makes enough on a daily basis to finance this campaign. How do you beat him? Well, he's doing that, Chris, already, and we should not. We should be ashamed of that as Americans, people who believe in democracy, that the oligarchs, if you have more money, you can buy your way. Now, but to your point. You think Mike we, Bloomberg's an oligarch? You, you, Come listen, on. He, he is. Okay. I mean, he's not. He skipped Iowa. Iowans should be okay. insulted. Not going to New Hampshire, buying his way into this right. race, period. The DNC changed his rules. They didn't change it for Senator Harris. They wouldn't change it for Senator Booker. They didn't change it for right. Secretary Castro. They changed Did he for buy his way into money. the debates? Absolutely he did. And it is a stain on democracy. But back to your point. Money can buy you, you know, it, it can't buy you can little it buy you it, love? get you some likes, though. It can get you a whole yeah. lot of likes. Right. But the way that Senator Bernie Sanders is going to win this election is by building a grassroots movement. And right. that is exactly Starting what tonight. You're going to win tonight? Starting tonight. That is my prediction. That our senator is well, going I, to I, win. I join you in that. Thank yes. you, Tina Turner, State Senator. Tina Turner, one of the greatest surrogates, I think, ever. Thank, thank you. Chris. Back to you, Brian and Nicole. Uh, thank you, Chris. And because Jason Johnson had such a reaction to something just said, I would like you to react again to something just said. Yeah, look, uh, calling Mike Bloomberg an oligarch has implications in this country that I think are unfair and unreasonable. I disagree with a lot of things Mike Bloomberg has done as a mayor. But oligarchy, in, in, in our particular terminology, it makes you think of some rich person who got their money off of oil in Russia. This is going to be annoying because I have to click off it in order to talk. But, <clears throat> okay, what the, what the F is he getting triggered about? Mike Bloomberg he is an oligarch. He's buying his way into an election. He's buying his way. 
onto the debate stage. This has nothing to do with the people of New York, because Jason Johnson saying that, oh, the people of New York gave him power. What does that have to do the fact that he was elected as the Republican mayor of New York? Remember, he was a Republican. And then he used his money to go after term limits. So he was in office more than eight years. So he had more, he had three terms. Because playing mayor is, you know, fun for him. It's, it's, he, he likes to, instead of uh, traveling to Davos or going skiing or hanging out at uh, wherever, at Monte Carlo, Mike Bloomberg enjoys being mayor. It's like a fun little hobby to him. Like me and my feral cats. I take care of the feral cats. He takes care of the human beings in New York. He's got all the power, though. He, got, he makes sure it stays that way. He was a Republican, let's remember, and is a Republican. So the only reason he's in this race is to ensure that Bernie, that we the people don't get uh, uh, any ideas thinking about making this government work for more than just the 1%. Mike Bloomberg likes the way it is. He likes having all the money and power. Why wouldn't he? I guess. I don't know. I don't think, I don't think if I had all this, I don't know. Let me see. How would I, if I put myself in his shoes, it's got to be, you have to be a certain kind of sociopath to be okay with a system that leaves millions of people behind where you're living in a country where one third of the American people can't retire and you're, you're using your millions to make sure it stays that way. Your billions. You're living in a system where the wants and needs of working people have a statistically insignificant effect on government policy. And you're using your billions to make sure it stays that way. What is wrong with this picture? Of course that's an oligarch. Of course we're in an oligarchy. So Jason Johnson, unfortunately, does not get this animated and upset unless somebody uh, upsets the rich. Will, won't somebody defend the poor put-upon billionaires? Somebody call Jason Johnson. Shame on him, for Christ's sakes. But this is what I'm talking about. That's why I asked to be a patron, to spread the show, to help, you know, spread the liberal media. Because this is what we're up against. This, this is a person who considers himself a Democrat. Defending the indefensible. The death of democracy. It's, there is no reason on earth why somebody with this kind of, I don't know, this uh, ideology needs to be on goddamn the so-called liberal media, day in and day out, defending the oligarchy, kicking down on anybody who dare do something about it, who dare challenge it. So far, it's just a challenge. We're, we're sick of it. And it's not just us that we're sick of it. It's, it's also those on the right. That's why Bernie is the, is the candidate who can build 
that left-right coalition that these liberal, so-called liberal corporate media mouthpieces insist that Amy Klobuchar or Pete F. and Buttigieg is building in the wine cave. They're not building a coalition. Do you think that if Pete Buttigieg is the nominee, that he, he will beat Twitler? There's no way in hell. There is absolutely no way in hell. Sucking up to 40 billionaires is going to make uh, uh, um, him uh, some kind of competitive contest against Twitler. There's no way. Absolutely no way. Because not only it's not just him being gay. It's they it's because the American people are sick of trickle down billionaires in the fucking wine cave. We are sick of it. It's not just the liberals. It's not just the ideological pures like they like to pretend. Oh, like now Buttigieg is saying that, that Bernie is my way or the highway politics bullshit. We're talking about saving democracy. What are they talking about? Slowing down the oligarchy a little bit? Maybe throwing us a bone. That's about it. That's all they, the change they can truly believe in oil in Russia, who's taking advantage of a broken and dysfunctional system. Mike Bloomberg is just a rich guy. America is full of rich guys. And just because you're rich doesn't mean that you're an oligarch who abuses his power. The power that... What the... So, this is what I'm saying. I'm sorry I keep saying this is what I'm saying. It's just... It's a verbal tick. I have many of them. I try. I try. I try not to succumb. It's hard. But... That's not the point. That's really... We have bigger fish to fry here. But what the fuck? That's all I, I, I don't, I'm almost speechless at this. Why? He was so animated. You see what happened here? Nina Turner called Bloomberg an oligarch and she was on a remote. He's in the studio and they're the, um, what's his, you know, the host the I can't remember the two of their their names right now, the two Republicans and a Republic a former Republican and a and a half a Republican, were they had to throw it to Jason Johnson because he was so animated, listening to Nina Turner he was so triggered by her, that he needed to jump in with this breathless defense of Mike Bloomberg the former Republican. How come they constantly attack Bernie? He's not a Democrat. He's not a Democrat. They never say the same shit about Bloomberg, who was actually a Republican, with Republican policies. Because you know why? Because they're full of shit. That's why. This is not about left and right, Republican and Democrat. This is about democracy and saving this democracy and the working class from the oligarchy that the DLC Democratic Party have no problem enabling. We are in this boat because of people like Jason Johnson and the policies that he promotes and protects. We're in this boat not because just solely of because of Republicans. We're here because of the DLC right wing of the Democratic Party that sold us out to billionaires and Wall Street. 
Um, I don't know who's worse, frankly. Who is worse? I say this a lot because it's true. Who is worse? Your, your sworn enemy or somebody who pretends to be your friend? And then they say, oh, what are you going to do? Where are you going to go? No one will love you like I will. Well, the, all of those working class people who went to Twitler, they sure showed us, right? They showed those DLCers. These DLC corporate lickspittles couldn't win an election against the most disgusting human slug on the planet. And now they're trying, they're doing it to us again. Now they're, they're, they're peddling the same old bullshit about electability. The only thing in their eyes that we are, uh, the only thing that's electable is a Republican light. It's a Republican who is liberal on social issues. That's it. They are completely Republican. They, ha- they embrace Republican policies. They actually give us Republican policies and call it progress. And they will allow transgendered uh, human beings in the military, things like that. Socially liberal. Uh, they, they won't uh, disturb people, you know, right to go to the bathroom of their, tr- of their uh, you know, whatever, their gender identity. That's it. But we'll still have the least upwardly mobile. We'll still have, we'll have a little bit more people on health care, but they won't be able to use it because they can't meet the deductibles in the for-profit rapacious racket that shouldn't exist. Oh, well, I got more people on health care. This is what Joe Biden says. Oh, I was, uh, we, I passed Obamacare. Well, honestly, today I was just even thinking of this because I was musing to myself, as I often do, about life. And I was thinking, honestly, because somebody said to me, actually, this is what happened. Somebody asked me, did you like Barack Obama? Doesn't sound like you did. And I was like, of course I liked Barack Obama to a degree. I, I, I liked not being embarrassed um, by him. I liked many things about him, but I also felt entirely betrayed by him, by the fact that he was a Republican, that I thought I was voting for change you can believe in, and all I got was Republican policies. And, you know, there were many times he sold out the working class, like in the, oh, he saved the economy. If he saved it for banksters, there's, there hasn't been a, a uh, balancing of the scales. Barack Obama, he made a choice to bail out banks instead of the homeowners who were underwater. He could have done that. That would have stimulated the economy. No, he, he bailed out the banks. Not a single bankster went to jail for destroying people's lives, for ruining and uh, for, for siphoning their their life savings. Why? Because Barack Obama was a, a Republican. When you peddle Republican policies, what the hell are you? And in fact, we, we wouldn't be, I mean, if he, if, we, if, if he had just done something Democratic, if he had done something liberal, like a public option, 
We wouldn't be in this goddamn boat for the last how many years? We gotta all be stressed out by this them coming for healthcare every other minute. They wouldn't be in court. They wouldn't be up our asses constantly. People wouldn't be stressed out, wondering, am I gonna lose my healthcare because of these scumbags? Be because Obama gave us Obamacare. A for-profit health system. If he had done what the liberal thing, they wouldn't be able to attack it. So, you know, thank him for that. Thank him for the stress. Oh, we got more people on health care. Good, wonderful. But what's the point? We still have a for-profit kiss-up, kick-down system that leaves millions behind, and that's supposedly okay. Now, here in the United States of Serfs and Lords, that's how they want it. They want us to not care about all of our fellow Americans left behind. Unless they're drumming up a war or something, right? But really, we should be, uh, uh, you know, we should be offended by these Republicans. Because everything that Republicans touch suck, and they drag us into... This kind of stress, we have to live with constant stress with this Obamacare, but they would never been they would have never been able to touch it if there was a public option. There's no doubt. Oh my God, I'm looking at the time. Eh, I don't know. Should I take a break? I've been not taking breaks lately. Let me see. Somebody sent me a little email. Uh-huh. Lee in New York City. From Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. About the delivery person. Far back in the midst of ancient times. In the great and glorious days of the former galactic empire. Life was wild, rich, and largely tax-free. Mighty starships piled their way through exotic suns. Seeking adventure and reward among the furthest reaches of galactic space. In those days, spirits were braves, the snakes were high, men were real men, women were real women, and small furry creatures from Alpha Centauri were real small furry creatures from Alpha Centauri. That's cute. Exactly. Remember them. Uh, it's always hearkening back to this a time that never existed. All right, I'm not going to take a break. Okay. Just because I feel I owe it to you guys. And I owe you eight more minutes of show because of all the rambling that I've been doing. And I appreciate you all hanging out and sticking with the show and, and doing your part to keep the show going. Thank you for everything you do. Hold on a second. I'm trying to find you now. I can't find you. Okay. And for times like this where you're 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 okay. You're cool. You're like, "Okay, we understand that w- sometimes when we we tune into Tarabuster, we're going to see we're going to hear rambling and we're going to see cats rubbing their ass on the carpet." So that's the way it is. You guys are incredibly generous and 
I don't just mean financially. I re- I mean spiritually, emotionally, mentally. So thank you. Anyway, yeah, we have too much work to do to take a break right now. So let's continue with this son of a bitch, Jason, Jason, uh, Jason Johnson. Bloomberg got access to was given to him by the voters of New York. So I think using that comes from. What the fuck is he talking about? You see what I'm saying? He's trying to conflate the fact that Obama, Biden, Bloomberg is was once elected as the Republican mayor of New York. That's not what she was referring to. This is such a disingenuous argument, too. And why? Why? Why is he so upset? Why is he so animated? Give me some facts. Why? He understands. This is. I know he's not a stupid man. He calls himself Dr. Jason Johnson. I guess he's a doctor. I don't know what kind of doctor, but whatever. But... He understands, he must understand somewhere that he is, this is a disingenuous argument. The, he was given power by the voters of New York? How many years ago? We're talking over eight years ago. So it's not, that's not what she's talking about. Is that the power that's propelling him onto the Democratic debate stage? The fact that the that the that the um, voters of New York voted for the Republican Mayor Bloomberg. No, is that why the DNC opened up their books and allowed him to put his ass on the debate stage for whatever reason in the middle of a primary that's already underway? He doesn't feel the need to go to Iowa or all these other states. He's just gonna hey, I'm here. I'm Bloomberg. I got money. Here, I'm a billionaire. See? Look, change. Wow, wonderful. We'll all get health care. Bullshit. I'm, a, I'm moderate. I'm going to woo Twitler voters with my, what, being a billionaire? If this is where we're, we are at in this country, we're in trouble. That all you got to do is say, wow, I'm a billionaire. That's how deceived this country is, and I'll get to that in a minute too. Because this if this country is, we're um, we're definitely not. Uh, we don't have a clear picture of the fact that we are an oligarchy, thanks to people like Jason Johnson. I never thought I would live to see the day, though. That's the other thing, right? Think about it. Why? What am I watching? Why is someone so triggered by the word oligarchy when it's true? I don't maybe he should be upset by the fact that what is it? Half the American people can't uh, what is it? I'm trying to remember the stats. Living paycheck to paycheck, majority of Americans are living paycheck paycheck to paycheck. Over, I can't remember now. Is it half or 70% can't handle a $400 emergency? These are statistics that should get Jason Johnson breathless and upset and want to want to jump in when a Republican peddles his bullshit. Maybe he should get all triggered when Pete Buttigieg starts saying shit that, that means nothing. God, 
I'm trying to. Where the heck is it? Here. I hit the wrong button. Here we go. In Russia, who's taking advantage of a broken and dysfunctional system. Well, what is he doing? Let me play that again. As a mayor. But oligarchy in... in, in Wait, hold on. ...implications in this country that I think are unfair and unreasonable. I disagree with a lot of things Mike Bloomberg has done as a mayor. But oligarchy, in, in, in our particular terminology, it makes you think of some rich person who got their money off of oil in Russia, who's taking advantage of a broken and dysfunctional system. That's a disingenuous conflation, of course. Well, it makes you think of someone in Russia who got their money from oil. Who cares? It's someone in America who got their money from, from media, wherever the hell, and is taking advantage of a broken and dysfunctional system. Of course it's dysfunctional. Can, I, I mean, can you get on the, on the Democratic debate stage? Would they change the rules for you? Would they change the rules for Bernie? Certainly not. They changed the rules for Bloomby, though. Mike Bloomberg is just a rich guy. America is full of rich yeah, guys. Yeah, that's it. Just, just a rich guy. Don't worry it's about the kind it. Of thing that blows up in your face if you become the nominee and you have to work with Mike Bloomberg three or four months from now, and that's well, maybe we don't give a shit. Maybe we, if Mike Bloomberg. When we have the power, when the people have the power, Mike Bloomberg is going to have to conform to us for once in his life. What a surprise. Without little Jason Johnson. I'm sure Jason Johnson could go over and salve his wounded self. They could fly off somewhere. They can fly off and have a nice ski lodge boys weekend together. Where Jason Johnson can tell Bloomby, don't worry about it, babe. You're still number one in my eyes. Don't worry. We could still try to buy as much shit as we can and stuff our vapid souls with all, uh, with all that money. With your money and my sicko fancy, we can do things together. We can write poems. We, we can fly. We can do whatever. Don't worry about it, Jason Johnson. They will, they'll be fine. Bloomberg will be fine. He, if he doesn't like it, he can go buy another election somewhere else. Maybe he can go buy a local, he could buy him his way into dog catcher if he wants a hobby. Issues that Sanders people never seem to want to remember. Yeah, we never want to remember. We don't want to remember nothing. We just, then let me, uh, we just want to go off on words. It's, we don't want to work with anybody. Right? We, poor Bloomberg, poor billionaires. Let me set Jason Johnson straight. Here's Robert Reich. What, 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 what did he think about, uh, what does he say about oligarchy? Oligarchy means government of and by a few at the top who exercise power for their own benefit. It comes from the Greek word oligarchus, meaning few to rule or command. Even a system that calls itself a democracy can become an oligarchy if power becomes concentrated in the hands of a very few wealthy people and a corporate and financial elite. Their power and wealth increase over time as they make laws that favor themselves. They manipulate financial markets to their advantage and create or exploit economic monopolies that put even more wealth into their pockets. Modern day Russia is an oligarchy, where a handful of billionaires who control most major industries dominate politics and the economy. Well, what about the United States? 
According to a study published in 2014 by Princeton professor Martin Gillens and Northwestern professor Benjamin Page, although Americans enjoy many features of democratic governance, such as regular elections and freedom of speech and association, American policymaking has become dominated by powerful business organizations and a small number of affluent Americans. The typical American has no influence at all. This is largely due to the increasing concentration of wealth. In a 2019 research paper, UC Berkeley economics professor Gabriel Zuckman determined that the richest 1% of Americans now own 40% of the nation's wealth. That's up from 25 to 30% of the nation's wealth in the 1980s. The only country Zuckman found with similarly high levels of wealth concentration is Russia. America has had an oligarchy before, in the first Gilded Age, which ran from the 1880s until the early 20th century. Teddy Roosevelt called that oligarchy the malefactors of great wealth, and fought them by breaking up large concentrations of economic power, the trusts, and instituting a progressive federal income tax. His fifth cousin, Franklin D. Roosevelt, further reduced their power by strictly regulating Wall Street and encouraging the growth of labor unions. The oligarchy fought back, but Roosevelt wouldn't yield. Government by organized money is just as dangerous as government by organized mob, he thundered in 1936. Never before in all our history have these forces been so united against one candidate as they stand today. They are unanimous in their hate for me, and I welcome their hatred. But the American oligarchy has returned. We're now in a second Gilded Age. As the great jurist Louis Brandeis once said, we can have democracy in this country or we can have concentrated wealth in the hands of a few, but we cannot have both. We must once again make the correct choice and reduce the economic and political power of the American oligarchy. Wow, oh my God, he is so, uh, you better get Jason Johnson in on there. He's, he's uh, saying such bad words. Oligarchy? How unfair. How completely unfair to call something exactly what it is. How completely unfair it is to tell the American people that they're not living on a wonderful democracy, a meritocracy that works for all. Talk about the fucking cognitive dissonance. I always talk about that on the right. What about on the so-called left? What do they have of, uh, against a government of by and for the people? What do they have against a government that works for all? I don't understand. They pretend to be on our side and they're doing the work of Donald Trump and they're also doing the work of those who put Donald Trump in power. They're fine with the mess. They don't like democracy. I always say that about the right wing. What do you say about the Jason Johnsons of the world? Who, he's honestly more dangerous because we expect it from the right. We know what they're saying. We know they're liars. People who are Democrats, they have, they might be uh, completely taken in by this bullshit. The fact is, we are an oligarchy. There's been studies by uh, not just Gillens and Page, but many other academics and 
sociologists, history, um, what do you call it? I don't know, history, what do you call it? Oh, historian, duh, who talk about the fact that the United States is now an oligarchy. Let me see. I just had the goddamn article up. Oh, brother. You, how do you be, how do you get to be the least upwardly mobile with the widest income gap without being an oligarchy? Why is it that a billionaire can buy his way onto the stage just by running ads? And why is it that that same billionaire gets to gets the DNC to change the debate rules? They're not changing the debate rules for uh, the head of whatever labor union. They're changing the debate rules for a goddamn former Republican mayor of New York who is a billionaire. There are 2,600 billionaires on earth. And 40 of them are supporting Pete Buttigieg. That's that's besides the point. The other thing is, well, it's also the point, too, at the same time. On the corporate media, I constantly hear how... They're raising money. How much money they're putting in here and there and and how they have to go to these billionaires and get money from them, except they never seem to get around to mentioning that, no, you really don't have to go there. Go to the people. Build a, a, a government of by and for the people. If we have a government funded by money, then do what Bernie's doing. If that's what you're... I, I, but the fact is they're not. They, they like the system the way it is. It funds them. They get to be pundits. They get to go on a panel and a speaking tour and write books about democracy and making coalitions and working together. Who are you working with, though? While we sink lower and lower on the ladder, while the gap between rich and poor gets wider and wider, and government becomes more and more concentrated into nothing but where you have the rich getting richer, the poor getting poorer, the middle class be, be, there is no middle class. The working poor is now the middle class. They keep, they call the working poor the middle class, but... No one's fighting for the actual democracy. They're not fighting for these people. They'll throw, the, they'll throw a bone. That's all it is. Oh, we'll have an extra subsidy so you'll be able to get Medicare. I, and I've explained it a million times, but that, this is what they do. It's all part of the ruse. Open up, throw some subsidies at the poor so the, those who are a little higher on the ladder but struggling get resentful of the poor for getting those subsidies because they don't get subsidies. And then you have the, the uh, entire 99% fighting with each other instead of fighting the oligarchy where they need to be putting all their energies. So is now an oligarchy. So this is not a, nothing new. Let's see. We've known that the United States is an oligarchy. So here's an, an, uh, an article from Bulletin. Trying to find the guy's name or the gal's name. So you live in an oligarchy. A word usually associated with deranged Russian oil tycoons is suddenly front and center in many Americans' minds. 
thanks to a new study by researchers at Princeton and Northwestern. The analysis of 1779 recent policy outcomes found that economic elites and organized groups representing business interests have substantial independent impacts on U.S. government policy, while average citizens have little or no influence. Are you serious? But Jason Johnson is so triggered by the word. In other words, the U.S. is an oligarchy, a system of government where a small number of elites rule. Everyone else, not so much. This might seem obvious to some readers. After all, everyone knows economics elites run the show in the United States, right? As it turns out, there are surprisingly few studies out there on this topic. That's what makes this study so important. If we want to have an informed debate about issues of money and influence, those things everyone knows, quote-unquote, have to be backed up with real data. Let's look behind the headlines. So... Here's uh, the study, the wealthy have more influence. The chart here shows how much political influence groups. Let's see if I could show you the chart. This is the article I'm reading. How much political influence difference groups have in America today. Not only do the wealthy have the most influence, ordinary voters have basically none. To have political influence means this, in this case, means that Congress responds to you by passing the laws and policies you like. For example, witnesses in impeachment trials of the president. How many people wanted witnesses? It was over 70%. How about background checks on gun purchases? Over 90% of the American people want that. But the NRA that funnels money from Russian oligarchs into the American oligarchs, into the, well, the lickspittles of the American oligarchs, their pets in Congress. And I can't stand, the other thing on the corporate media I constantly hear is how they compare Bernie and Trump. They, they, kind, they try to disparage Bernie by saying, oh, he also says the system is broken, just like Trump says. But the irony, it's not an irony, the, the sad part is that Trump, of course the system is broken. If the system wasn't broken, we wouldn't have a Twitler. If the system wasn't broken, we would have a say in government. It wouldn't be influenced by money. We would have the wants and needs of working people would have some impact on policy. Of course the system is broken. So if you say the system is broken just because the con man in the White House knows, who knows the system is broken, and rides it to the bank every day like a bloated tick. So just because he uses it as his ruse to, to reel in the dupes, then anybody who says the system is broken must be in league with Twitler. No. In fact, um, it's so crazy-making with these effing DLCers because when they are saying that, when they're disparaging Bernie for saying the system is broken just because tw Twitler says the system is broken, what are they saying? They're saying it's not broken? Then why the fuck? Then why? I'm sorry. Sorry, I'm cursing. I don't know why. Why am I sorry? Who knows? Then why do we have... 
Americans on GoFundMe banging for goddamn medical treatment. Why are 35,000 Americans dying needlessly in the for-profit, rapacious healthcare system that would have been undone that we wouldn't even have right now if we had a government that works for all? You know we'd already have universal health care. We'd have policies that actually benefit people. We wouldn't have the widest income disparity of all our partners. We wouldn't be the least upwardly mobile. There would be no way that the United States would have went from the most to the least upwardly mobile in 40 years. That's because we are corrupted by money. The system works for the, for the powerful. It empowers the powerful. It kicks down on the powerless. Of course it does. So the findings are right there. Why the, does a Jason Johnson, of course, my answer, I'm answering my own question. Why does he go on about it? Because he gets booked. I'm looking at the time, obviously. <laughs> he gets another spot on MSNBC. Hey, Jason Johnson, you want to come in and, and defend the what? Yeah, they're not going to have him. They don't have... Um, liberals on there. They don't have Nina Turner on there as much as they have Jason Johnson who's wrong, who sits there breathlessly being wrong again and again and again about everything that that matters. Who the hell needs another mouthpiece of an oligarch in there? Is that what's going to help us? This is, you're talking about, that's your liberal media. That's somebody that says, I'm a Democrat. I want to, I want the most important thing in my life is defeating Twitter. Is that really true? Because you're doing well in Twitter's America. You're doing great. You don't want to see the forest through, through the trees, I guess. Who the hell knows? I don't know what motivates him. But it's. It's something very bizarre. It can't be reality because he's not stupid. He must know these same things I know. He has to know that the United States you know, uh, is the least upwardly mobile. He must know that about this study. We all know about it. We're, you know, it's not a secret. So why is he so upset? Anyway, it continued. Here's, here's the second part. So Nina Turner heard about Jason Johnson, because that's what, that's what assholes do. He's another. He's just an asshole. She, the other thing is um, he, wo- he wouldn't let her talk. Oh, my God. So, so Nina Turner wanted to respond because she wasn't in the studio. And... I guess she heard that because then it was trending on Twitter and she heard that Jason Johnson was getting all getting all uh, hurt about oligarchs being called what they are and she she wanted to respond so here she is uh, close viewers watching in our last segment may have heard Bernie surrogate Nina Turner call Mayor Bloomberg an oligarch to which our own Jason Johnson took exception Um, State Senator Turner from Ohio is still 
listening in Des Moines because she wanted a moment to respond. Nina? Senator. Thank, thank you so very much. You know, it's just ironic to me that somebody would defend the wealthiest people in this country over the working people of this country. We need real campaign finance reform to the extent that a mayor Bloomberg can totally finance his campaign. He doesn't have to go out to the people. He doesn't have to build a movement. He doesn't have to talk to people. Look at his face. He can buy his way. It is the same attitude that the elites, maybe uh, Jason likes the word elite over oligarch, but it's the same attitude that the elites had in 1930 against FDR. All of them lined up against him, and he said, I welcome your hatred, because he was standing up for the people. And that is the same message that Senator Bernie Sanders has to the everyday people of this nation, that I welcome the hatred of the elites, because I am okay. standing up for you. So cry me a river for the wealthy people in this country. Okay. <laughs> Okay, he can't, he got to get in there. He got to defend the oligarchy. Wait a minute, you you're busting up on my boys here. I got to get in there. I don't know who the hell he thinks he he really is defending. I'm sure I'm sure if you spoke to him, he would say, "I am a I'm a Democrat. I'm for the people." And he's probably another one who wouldn't be able to explain what's the difference what is a democrat as opposed to a democratic socialist i i'll, I'll tell you my definition is a democrat at this point a corporate democrat a dlc democrat this is my definition of it that they're just republicans who are liberal on social issues they are peddling Republican policies, they are fine with income disparity, but they want to feel better about themselves, so they're not complete homophobes, they're not complete racist, they're not going to put babies in cages and things like that. They'll throw a bone, you know, they'll stand on the, on the, on the balcony in the ivory tower and trickle down some coins like Nero used to do into the Roman Forum. He used to stand and throw coins out at the at the plebs and everybody would love them that's why they're this is who they are that's who they are they will throw you a subsidy but they will continue to keep the broken system intact until the fascists can come in and destroy democracy once and for all if you want to know why we have a twitler in the white house this is why. It's people like Jason Johnson. It's Democrats like that who don't understand who uh, they they're not real Democrats. These are not FDR Democrats, not Democrats in my sense of the word of a Democrat. I'm I'm baffled how anybody calls themselves a Democrat and doesn't get what needs to be done to fix the system. Of course, we're not le we're not even reaching into something that that America hasn't done already we are hearkening back to a time where the uh, you know, called the great prosperity where the working class finally had a champion in the White House and a Democratic Party had a standard bearer who understood that you build a functioning democracy from the ground up not from the top down for the wealthy people in this country. You work for a candidate who's part of the 1%. I have no problem with criticizing the system. The system that allows oh, Mike Bloomberg thing. to make... This is another thing that gets me mad. So he criticizes 
Nina uh, and Bernie by saying that he's in the 1%. You work for a candidate who's in the 1%, but is he buying his way into an election? No. Bernie has been building a Democratic coalition for generations. He's been on the right side of history. He's been consistently fighting for the working class. You cannot go back and find a video of him evolving on these issues like you can with every other candidate. So Jason Johnson, the best he can do is tell Nina Turner that she's working for a candidate in the 1%. Again, confusing and conflating things. It's not about being rich. It's not about whether you are rich or not. This is what Republicans do. They always say, oh, you're a Democratic Socialist, so why are you whatever? You know what I mean? Why are you riding on, um, you know, buying a new car or living in a house? You're supposed to be walking around in a potato sack. That's not what it's about. But we do believe that government has a place in society and that government isn't just, it doesn't just work for the rich. It shouldn't just be socialism for those who have it all. This should be socialism for the rest of us, too, that we are in this together and are ideally our tax dollars go in and cultivate a society that works for all. And that includes health, education, a social safety net if you fall through the cracks, that it, it includes retirement security and an infant care Things like that, where you, we can make a society that others look, look at and say, hey, wow, look at the way democracy runs. Look at that. I want a society like that. But, you know, not this doggy dog, kiss up, kick down socialism for the rich and rugged individualism for everyone else. That's what he's arguing for. It's so disingenuous because... Now, so-called Democrats, they think they're, they don't know. They're not like us. They're not, they're not paying attention. They're watching corporate media. They think that it's real, that they're not in, uh, you know, these just corporate lick spittles. They say things like, oh, well, uh, they, I heard it on MSNBC that, that Elizabeth Warren has more individual donors than Bernie, except not as many donations. Bullshit. That's completely bullshit. So they'll hear, oh no, America's not an oligarchy. I heard that on MSNBC. And conflating being rich with being an oligarch. Not only did Bernie just get there, he just got into the 1% because he wasn't a crook. He wasn't using his position to to illegally insider trade and shit like that on Wall Street. He, he wrote a book, a popular best-selling book. And Jason Johnson wants to conflate that with being an oligarch, buying your way onto the debate stage. There is no comparison. But he does it disingenuously. He knows what he's doing. He knows he's confusing the, the m many people. And that's his role. That's why he's going to get a call tomorrow. Hey, Jason Johnson, are you available for Morning Joe's 
B block? Are you available for the debate coverage? Are you available? All he'll have a full calendar while I'll be begging on pa- on Patreon, saying please become a patron, while you'll be out there, you know, doing the same thing. He'll be out there with a giant platform, spreading his lies on the side of the Democratic Party, saying, I'm your friend. This is money that he makes, the system that allows him to buy what he wants to buy, the system that allows him to buy himself into the administration and buy himself into the debates is a problem. But to call him an oligarch, I think, is a misnomer in this environment. Again, you're working for somebody who's part of the 1%. Do you call him an oligarch? You're working for someone who's part of the 1%. Do you call him an oligarch? No, because he's not buying his way onto a goddamn debate stage. His entire campaign is funded by people, not himself. Oh, my God, this scumbag. Look at how animated he is, too. No, you don't. You say he's a rich guy. Because just because somebody has a tremendous amount of money doesn't mean that they're not necessarily... He can't even let her talk. They, they love him in the wine cave. My God. The people. And if you want to use the term elite, you can use whatever kind of term that you want to use. But at the end of the day... Look, and the look end- at Nina. She's trying to be polite. He will not let her get a word in edgewise. He, we know how where you stand, Jason. We know you're a little triggered, oligarch-loving, for, for, I don't know, Republican light. But we know. Unfortunately, that's how they all are. They're so fragile, these wealthy elites, because they know the time is, is coming to an end. They know the jig is up. We're, they are holding on for dear life. Unfortunately, we still have a lot of people to bring on board because a lot of people will sit there and say, yeah, oh, Michael Bloomberg's not an oligarch. This country is not corrupt. They don't know the half of it because they're not paying attention. This country, the enemy of the poor, is not just everybody who happens to be rich. It is a capitalistic system that abuses people. And if you want to speak about that, that's fine. But if you want to name call people, that's not going to help Bernie if he becomes a nominee and he's going to need Mike Bloomberg's money. Really, what, what is a name calling? You're calling somebody what he is. You're calling out the corruption. Oh, so tell us, Jason Johnson, what we can actually, what, what words you like, what we can actually address. A capitalistic system that exploits the poor. Oh, okay, you're, but don't say oligarchy. Keep it nice and stupid. Calling anyway. Don't you need Mike Bloomberg's money? Oh my God! God. It's this ironic is what I'm that you're defending about. somebody that I'm not is defending buying his way through the democracy. Yes, you are. I know you this are defending on Twitter him. because that's how you guys operate. You, you, he goes back, oh, it works on Twitter. That's how you guys, we got to go back into the Bernie bro shit. Let's go back. He doesn't have anything to say. Just He rehashes the same shit. Oh, he goes on Twitter and... Uh. When it comes to actual campaign politics, uh, it makes sense to actually describe people for the positions that they have. Is this about a word? Is this about a word, Jason? Is this about a word? No, it's not just about a word. It's about the implications of it. Oh, it's not about a word, but it is about a word. Okay. Whatever. It's about criticizing the system versus criticizing individuals. Like I said, I wouldn't call Bernie. Poor little thing.
Anderson, I'll I'll least, and he happens to be part of the 1%. I would say he's somebody who's but wealthy, you know but what? he's dedicated to himself. But you know what? He just got there, and he got there from selling up his, his He just got there at the age of 78 years old. Okay, let me ask Tommy Anderson. I just want to break this. I do like this debate because it's a debate, and I like debates. Number two, do you want to change your words wrong? No, I'm not changing. He doesn't tell me what to say and how to change my words. My words stand. Well, Brian, it's back to you. I think that's the decisive conclusion of this back and forth. Can I say something about Jason Johnson? Please, frequent guest on my show. I think this is a really important... You hear? Oh, frequent guests, of course, uh, to the Republican. Let let the Republican speak and the Republican in Democratic clothing. I'm really glad you didn't let it get boiled down to the use of a word. It is not about a word. Here's the other, and I understand different views about the system. The enemy is the guy in the Oval Office who thinks there were good people on both sides of Charlottesville. Yes. The enemy is a guy in the Oval Office who just got a permission slip to cheat in presidential elections. Yes. The enemy is a guy who called his generals dopes and losers mm -hmm. who he didn't want to go into battle with. That is the enemy. And I am nauseous when I see Democrats fight amongst themselves. And I know that Republicans get no say. I've said I'll vote for, if y'all pick an automobile, I will vote for it. But I, I feel so wary when I see these really, really intense fights around someone trying to help y'all win. Wait, 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 wait. Okay. It's she, the enemy, of course, he, she goes back to the enemy is the guy in the White House. We all know that. But how did the guy in the White House get there? They don't want to address that issue. Why is there a fascist 72-year-old toddler in the White House? who receive fewer votes, a dictator envying con man because of a system that Nicole Wallace and Jason Johnson love, that they're defending on a daily basis. And they're all, they're, they're saying, I hate to see Democrats fight, but who went off like a triggered little baby because Nina Turner called goddamn Bloomberg what he is, an oligarch. Oh, they don't like the term? Guess what? I don't like living in an oligarchy. I don't like living in a country where the wants and needs of working people have no impact on the government that pretends to represent us. I hate that. In fact, more than a goddamn name. So that's what they're worried about. He's Jason Johnson's worried about, oh, don't call somebody an oligarch. But how did we get a Twitler? Oh, we're here to beat Twitler. But how did he get there? And what's going to happen when the next Twitler gets there? And that Twitler's capable of controlling himself. Because Jason Johnson and all of the right-wing Democrats are guaranteeing a Twitler's second term because they're going to, they're undermining Bernie, even though he is the candidate that can bring independence into the party and and have a and foster a right left coalition regardless he calls himself a socialist they don't care nobody cares they like that bernie is not bought and that he is honest and he says what he what he means and he means what he says they understand that they're sick of the wine caves they're sick of disingenuous nothing Talk about a nothing burger. My God. They're saying so how they don't like Democrats fighting. Who's fighting? It wasn't Nina Turner. It's not Bernie that's fighting. 
with the about a term they're so goddamn fragile about the word oligarchy when they should be upset about the goddamn oligarchy itself for christ's sakes oh picking on bloomberg are you serious we should be fighting trump well how the heck f did trump get there because of the dlc democrats that turned their back on the new deal and made uh, this country the least upwardly mobile that made this fascist possible because into the fissures of disunity steps an, aut- an autocrat always Be- if the country was functioning normally if people were if we had a 35% unionization if the we had the the slightest income disparity like we did during the New Deal, during the Great Prosperity, they, a, a fascist like Twitler would never have been able to take a foothold. If we had um, a media that wasn't concentrated in the hands of six transnational corporations that actually reported things, you know, because all the while they're on there, that Jason Johnson's on there, he's not reporting what's really going on. He's not talking about the, uh, the, the Gillens and Page study. That the, uh, or He's not worried about all the Americans who can't retire. Talk about that, Jason Johnson. Get am- animated about that. Somebody sent me on Twitter <clears throat> a link to a CBS morning segment, and... It shows you how the uh, just much, how much of a disconnect there is between the the way that the country is and the reality and what people think this country is as in regard to income disparity. Talk about wealth inequality. No. All right. The topic may be everywhere on the campaign trail. You want to talk about wealth inequality in America? But off it, not so much. Hey, you want to talk about wealth inequality? Oh, another time. We'll catch you later. So? We got some free pie here. Free pie? We turned America's economic pie into a real one. This is the American pie. And found a lot more people willing to address a simple question. Who gets what? We have five plates. Alrighty. This represents everybody in America. Okay. So you've got your wealthiest 20% all the way down to your poorest 20%. And that is the American pie. The pie itself represents about $98 trillion of household wealth in America. We asked people to dole it out as accurately as possible. I guess start off with two slices. On the wealthiest? Okay. How many pieces of the the pie would you put on the middle class? Put four. Four. All right. That's That's the the middle class. Let's do half a piece to the poorest. Like right in the middle there? Yep. Okay. Perfect. So are you going to have to move some of the wealthiest to the lower class? How much? Two pieces. Keep dreaming. Lower middle? Lower middle middle class. Keep on dreaming. So can I show you what reality looks like? Not like this, obviously. Unfortunately not. No one was even close. So it's actually nine pieces of of pie. Wow. Yeah. 90% of the wealth is right here in the top. That's terrible. Now, the upper middle class and the middle class, they share one piece. So these guys... They've got about 80% of a piece. It's a disgrace. They get 20%, 20% of a piece. And then the lower, the lower middle, middle class. That's Jason Johnson. Uh, what he's yeah, defending. Got some there. 
There you go. That's what they get. And the poorest, crumbs. they have they don't no get pie. Crumbs. In fact, they have less than, than, than no, no pie. pie. They, have, they, have, they actually they have, have a bill for pie. <laughs> They're in pie debt. They owe pie. People in the poorest 20% are, on average, more than $6,000 in debt. It's very sad. Yeah? It's very sad. It's very depressing. I grew up here. Really? Uh-huh. That was me. Let me show you something else. Mm -hmm. So even if you just look at the wealthiest and you go to the top 1%, so the wealthiest 1% of everybody, these Wait, people Bloomberg. alone have not one, not two, not three, but four slices of pie. What do you think? I want to know who these people are. <laughs> Is that what you expected? Not at all. Disturbing. This election cycle... It's time for a wealth tax. Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders have promised to redistribute the pie with a special tax on fortunes $50 million and up. The wealthiest people in this country will start paying their fair share of taxes. And polls show most Americans support the idea. They should be giving a lot of that over here. Do you think there should be an extra tax? Yes, the they should. Why not? They could afford it. Yes, they should. Will it happen? Probably not. No, you're not hopeful. <laughs> not everyone is on board, as we found talking to people near some of the biggest yachts at the New York Boat Show. That's against sort of the American way. John Sheffield and Mark Tedford run an investment firm in Connecticut. They oppose the idea of a wealth tax. It would be a total disaster. I mean, I'd actually like oh, for them to continue to promote it. Cats and dogs living together. Get elected Mice living like human beings. Wealth redistribution is always popular amongst the masses who so don't have the wealth and not popular amongst the 1% to do. Well, so I mean, it's, it's think, popular, but it doesn't make economic sense to me. So how many it doesn't make economic sense to have a democracy. You want a concentrated wealth oligarchy, right? Rich old white guy. The, the, and if you ask them, they would say, of course I'm a patriot. Of course I love America, while leaving democracy behind. It doesn't make economic sense. Really? Honey, you wouldn't even feel it. But it would make the entire difference in having a, a functioning democracy that works for more than just you, you selfish little pasty-faced whiner. Yeah, because you're acknowledging that there is some unfairness here. There's a lot of people with not much, and there's a small fraction of people with a lot. Right. The, I guess the alternative is do we need a socialist economy where everyone has the same? That doesn't make sense either. A lot of people uh, that's not a socialist economy where everyone has the same. There are rich people in Denmark. There are rich people in the Scandinavian countries, just like we, when I, uh, I read that article, I won't read it now, about when, um, what's his name, Donnie Deutsch, another douchebag. Oh, God, I should have done a show on him today, too. Oh, my God. Um, went off on Denmark, effing Denmark, when he was on Real Time with Bill Maher. We, we don't want to be effing Denmark. And a rich guy from Denmark wrote an article about what it's like to be, um, you know, yeah, effing Denmark. What's it, what it's like to live in effing Denmark. So it sounds, sounded pretty good. He was still rich, but he was not a sociopath. He understood that he's in a, uh, a civilization that, you know, I guess these people, they don't have any problem 
uh, worrying. Uh, they don't worry at all about the Americans who will needlessly die tonight because they're rationing health care. Things like that. In the greatest country. But they'll call themselves patriots. They'll fly the American flag. They'll wave the flag. They'll beat the war drum at the latest war du jour. But th- to, But they're really not patriots. They're not patriotic at all. Because you cannot call yourself a patriot while turning your back on your fellow Americans and your fellow, uh, and the government. That all of the soldiers and citizens who sacrificed, who fought, bled, and died to entrust to us. That's what they're doing when they're saying, oh, do we want a government that that uh, works for all or not. That's really what they're saying. Oh, we want a socialist government that everybody has the same? That's not what socialism is, but they don't care. They want everybody to think that. You know what I mean? Nobody's saying that we all want to walk around with the same goddamn sneakers or the same car. That's not what this is. They don't do that in Denmark. They don't do that in, in Scandinavian countries. They don't do that in New Zealand. Oh, I hate these people. I really do. I cannot handle it. So, but this is what we're up against, everyone. This is what we're up against. Well, let me see. Hold on. Who have a lot and have earned it and made it. They've started their own companies. They've grown businesses. They've worked hard. They've gotten good degrees. They've gone to school. They've worked hard. Not a, uh, like nobody works harder than the poor. I hate to tell you, pasty old white-faced rich dude. They may have had more opportunity than others, but there's other people who just haven't done that. You think? A vote for any Democrat in 2020 is a vote for the rise of radical socialism and the destruction of the American dream. The political fight will continue. I have nothing else to offer but pie. I'll take it. But at our little table, redistribution was a hit. If I'm going to take a piece, it will be from the excess. Okay. I'll take that pie over there. This pie over here? You want the rich pie? Pumpkin pie. Rich people pie. (laughs) Well, anyway, at least CBS did a story like that. And there needs to be... A million more of them. And that's why I say please support the liberal media. Because this is what we're up against. Nobody's going to see this on uh, on MSNBC. Or they're not going to be animated and upset about the fact that the American people are deceived. That they think they live in a country that where wealth is more equally distributed than it's not. We're up against oligarchy we're up against the machine of oligarchy and it's uh, nothing less than america's on the line it's not just trump regardless of what the dlc democrats and jason johnson want you to think the whole system of course the system is broken we need a standard bearer who understands that and wants to do something about it and isn't part of the problem Unbelievably, that I, I'm still in shock about, here's another thing, actually, I'm, we only have like eight minutes, but the, this morning on, I know uh, I'm always on, uh, off on, I'm, I'm always going off on MSNBC, it's the truth, because I watch it, and I do believe that we have to counter these, these narratives, 
because nobody else will. They're not doing it. I hope that someone who watched that shit will see this and be like, oh, gee, I thought that it was that they were telling me the truth, that oligarchy is such uh, a dirty word and it's unfair when they call the Republican mayor of New York, Bloomberg, who's buying his way onto the stage, a, an oligarch. But this morning on AM Joy, well, I'm going to get to Pete Buttigieg. Well, it's only in the last seven minutes. He's he's a, he's another one. Okay, here's they were going. They were um, what's his name? Jonathan Capehart was on there, and he he was Mayor Pete recently. You've interviewed him a lot, and sort of along you know his his sort of this road that he's gone on for almost mm-hmm. a year now. Um, he speaks to me in a kind of almost a consultant ease. It's like a complete paragraph sentence that is, it starts sort of at a, you know, in one place, it ends up sort of at the reverse. It's got like a format. And <laughs> last night, when Lindsey Davis, the, the ABC reporter, re, you know, didn't let him do that. He did sort of an eloquent chunk of paragraph, which is what he does. And then she said, no, 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 I need you to answer my question about these disparities, he kind of glitched. It was it was the first time I saw him sort of break, where he didn't have a pat answer. Right. And it, it was not a strong moment. It wasn't a strong debate for him. Well, it wasn't a strong moment because um, Lindsay had what I thought was the perfectly constructed question to prevent any candidate from going back to their the back to their points. talking points. Mm-hmm. It was a specific question about a specific policy that had a specific negative impact on a constituency. He must try, to, he must win over if he wants to be the nominee. Look, what impressed Mayor Pete, uh, what impressed me about Mayor Pete and a lot of people is the fact that when you ask him a question, he gives you a fulsome, thoughtful, well thought out answer, as if he had been contemplating it for years. You call it consultanese, I call it being being thoughtful. Oh my God, that's why I had to play that because, oh my God, are you serious? A fulsome, thought out answer, as if he had been thinking of it for years. There is no one who peddles more platitudes than Pete Buttigieg, and that's what gets me so upset because I'm like, do, do people really buy this shit? Are they really falling for it? And um, we were talking the other day when he he was saying, um, we really need to turn the page, a new kind of politics. He says absolutely nothing. Here's another thing that he said that was nothing. I'd like to know if you were only permitted to accomplish one thing when president, what specifically would, would it be? Just one. Just one. <laughs> wow. Well, let me say this. It's not a sizzling, glamorous issue, but the shape of our democracy is the issue that affects every other issue. Okay, so, I mean, the shape of our democracy is the issue that affects every other issue. What the hell is he talking about? And his, it's just another empty platitude that I guess J- Jonathan Capehart says or thinks is so fulsome that it's he's probably been thinking about it for years. Platitudes, empty platitudes that mean nothing. That that we are, are we, we that taken in by this shit? They, the Pete Buttigieg campaign were so taken with that 
that nothing, the shape of our democracy is the issue that affects every other issue, that they actually made a meme out of it. Um, I'll show you my, my computer screen here. Whoops. So, of course, the internet had a field day <laughs> mocking it. The shape of our democracy is the issue that affects every other issue. Oh, wow. I can really get behind that. It's sort of like uh, government by organized money is just as dangerous as government by organized mob, except the FDR quote actually means something. The shape of our democracy is... You, could you ever imagine... Bernie saying something like that is uh is uh the issue that affects every other issue what so people had to go at it we must move forward not backward upward not forward and always twirling 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 towards the freedom it's what the fuck that's why so we we can't have nice things because we can't say oligarchy don't say oligarchy just say everything other word that means absolutely nothing put a lot of words together that mean nothing but when you say something that actually means something don't uh don't be surprised when the entire corporate elite mainstream media jumps on you and calls you uh angry and disgruntled and you know uh just like trump because you're saying that every the system is corrupt. I'm also saying that the system is filled with empty platitudes that we could never have gotten here without them. This, this it means nothing. He's he is a he's brilliant. Pete Buttigieg is brilliant at saying absolutely nothing, and everyone throwing in their own. Wow, what a well-spoken young man. And don't get me started on, on the fact that, honestly, he's, if, the, if, if this was a woman who was 37 years old, there would be no way that that 37-year-old woman would be the, uh, the front runner, let's say, or the corporate darling. There's absolutely no, no way on, under the sun. So that just goes to show you more white privilege and another reason why I believe that people of, uh, who aren't white aren't, aren't fooled. They're not fooled by Buttigieg. So anyway, guys, I'm looking at the time, and it goes by so fast. So thank you so much for hanging out. I just saw somebody gave another suit. Oh, Richard, thank you. Thank you for hanging out. Thank you for your super chat, Richard and uh, for your kind words. If you're not on YouTube, guys, if you're listening on Twitter or, or anywhere, Facebook, come over to the YouTube channel, please, and throw in some super chats while you're here. If you don't want to be the super chatter, become a patron. We need about a thousand more of you. We have some really cool, dedicated patrons, and I wouldn't be here without you guys, I'm sorry I didn't say your names tonight. It went by so fast. Well, next time we'll we'll do it because we have a few more patrons. I know Shannon. She became a patron off the top of my head. We're in it together. I I hope uh, to see you in the next couple of days. So I will definitely do a Tarabuster weekday. 
Not sure what day that'll be. Who knows? Maybe it'll be Tuesday or we'll see. You know what I mean? That's just how it goes. Until we get enough patrons, we have to wing it during the week. And you can pretty much guarantee that we'll be here every Saturday evening from 6 to 8 p.m. So tell your friends, become a patron, um, share the show, give the show a good review on iTunes. If you call into any other shows or chat with any other liberal talk shows, uh, mention our name here, mention Tower Buster. That will get the word of mouth and bring more people onto our uh, onto our our daily I mean onto our weekly um, chat stream and it will grow so like I always say guys we stick together we win and we will win because we are on the right side of history we are on the right side of humanity my name is Tara Devlin thank you for hanging out I will see you very soon <laughs>